So today we're going to talk about the blessings of service. You know, what is service? You know, sometimes we, we talk about like, you know, what we have to do to serve and, and who should be serving and what and what are the methods of serving. Today I thought we'd talk about some of the blessings or the benefits for the servant who serves. First thing to say is that we, when we serve, we take more than what we give. And anybody who thinks that when I serve, I'm giving more than I take, has to reevaluate their concept of what service is. Because service is about giving more, uh, taking more than giving, actually. Because we, when we serve, we get more from God than what we can even give. And even the things we give, right? And we do give, right? We give of time. We give of money sometimes. We give of our resources. We give of our energies. And to the point where sometimes we're really exhausted, especially you guys who work and then come home and, and still have to serve. I mean, those are sacrifices that we're making. But when we really look at it, the things that we're giving to God belongs to Him already, right? Whether it be our monies or our time that He's given us as a blessing, our even lives, even the breath in our lungs belong to Him. And He gives it to us and we're supposed to use it for His glory. So even the things that we appear to be giving, even our energy, that already belongs to Him. So we're giving Him from things that already belong to Him. On the contrary, though, we say we get more than what we receive. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Because a lot of people go into the service with different perspe uh, perspectives and, and wrong perspectives. Uh, I remember when I, um, when I was asked to be a priest um, and, you know, after saying no many times, you know, I, and, and it kept coming back to us that I went and spoke to one of the really elder priests. I mean, he was a priest since the, like the, the 70s and we were talking about him earlier. Um, and so I asked him, I go, Abuna, I don't know, like, why would somebody like me be a priest? There's so many other people. And I started naming names, you know, and I was like, you know, I'm not worthy, you know, and I'm feeling really weird about it. And he goes, no, you're right. You're not worthy. I'm like, okay, thanks for kicking a guy when he's down, you know, <laughs> he goes, you're not worthy. And, and this, this role is not so that because you're worthy and you have something to give. It's because God sees it as a way for your own salvation. And this is like a kindergarten class for you. This is a way for you to learn. This is a way for you to grow. And so the service, not just for priesthood, is like that for everyone. Okay? Whether you're teaching Sunday school, whether you're teaching, uh, whether you're like vacuuming the church, whether you're helping on the board or helping in any of the other many services of a church, we get more than what we receive. I, I know this by practice from teaching Sunday school for many years before this, that I can tell you I benefited way more in my own spirituality, my own relationship with God, and my depth in understanding scriptures and things like that, um, much more than the kids benefited from me getting up there and talking. Me preparing for a lesson, I benefited way more than the kids. And even when giving the lesson, I would find myself listening to the words I'm speaking as if I'm a student, you know, and I'm listening more than the kids are. So it's a benefit for me, and it's a way for God has called you, not because of worthiness, but because He sees you in need of the service. The service is something that we need for our own spirituality. And people who really grasp this concept become the best of all servants because they, they're like, wow, you know, this is a source of lots of goodness in my life and I'm, going to, and I'm going to embrace it with all of my energy and all of my talent because the more I do so, the more I benefit personally from service.
So yeah, he didn't say, yeah, he says, that's the f- first right thing you've said all day is that you're not worthy. I'm like, thanks a lot. Um, and, and we think we're going to go in there with honor. Like some people go in thinking that they're going to be, you know, uh, like they're, they're going to get some kind of honor from the kids or they'll be the center of attention from Sunday school or anything. Those who have been teaching know it's the opposite, right? You are the, you know, scum of the earth, you know, when it's sometimes in the service. You will get shouted at, blamed. There's nothing that you're doing right. And the moment you do something right with one group, you're going to have another group that's going to be upset at you. And, and like, you know, you'll find some people say, oh, we want something more spiritual. So you, you focus on spiritual lofty things. Oh, no, no, we want something about uh, scriptures. Oh, no, okay, okay. No, no, go do something about history. Okay, then you switch that. You know what? We don't want that. We want this, you know. And so there's no way you're going to make every group happy, right? We're not serving the group. We're not a business that has many customers and the parents are our customers. We have one customer. And, and the children and the youth that we're serving, they're the products that we're giving to the customer. Right? Our one customer with a capital C is, is our Lord Jesus Christ. Right? And so that's who we're serving. We're not serving people because if you make yourself a servant of other people, there's no, there's no uh, end to uh, the, the misery that you're about to receive. Right? Because uh, you will get all sorts of blame and, and trouble from them. Um, some people, like in service, they think it as a means of gain. Uh, you know, St. Paul speaks about some of the people who thought that serving was a means of gain um, whose God is their belly, right? They, they want to get attention. They want to get, um, some people even do it for money. You know, they'll do it for different reasons, all except for the real service. I remember St. John Chrysostom, in one of his writings, he used to say, you know, he was, you know, Chrysostom, you know what that means, right? It means golden mouth. So, because when he gave sermons, people would applaud. Can you imagine? I mean, that's how <laughs> moving his sermons were. And he, he said this, that, you know, he would go and give the sermons, and sometimes people would applaud. But then when the applause didn't come, he felt like something was missing, and then he started changing his sermons a little bit so that he can get applause from people this is him talking okay that he would try to get the applause and he did so without noticing right so all of a sudden he switched from you know serving the people to getting applause and that change happened subtly without notice right and um i remember a quote from uh the the uh the uh the patriarchs, the uh, the Coptic patriarchs, written by uh, Saint Severus, it says, "A leader is he who uses his faith, uh, who uses his gifts to defend the faith, and not his faith to increase in gifts." But that subtle is that subtle difference, right? So we go into the service maybe with pure intentions, and then without noticing, now we get used to the being the center of attention. Now we get used to like the little bit of authority that we get or that little bit of attention that we get as servants, right? Or that title of a servant or that title of a board member, you know, or whatever title we get, right? And we accidentally, oh no, what happened? Now my intentions have been altered a little bit. Um, you know, some people like to get, you know, they think of service as a type of rest and harmony, right? Like we go in there and they expect all the Christians to be harmonious with each other. Like we're all going to agree on everything. We're all going to be in harmony together. Somebody has a, a, a word and everybody's going to say, yes, I was thinking the same thing. And we're all on the same page. Is that reality? What do you think? 
every one of you will have a different approach to the same goal, right? And it's not always harmonious. And sometimes there's even conflict, right? And if that conflict is managed properly, maybe there's positive that can come out of that, right? That we should be able to uh, be yielding to one another who might have a better idea on the same goal, right? And so when they see a little bit of difference in thinking or a little bit of difference in uh, approaches, that causes offense to them because they went into this thinking they're going to have like a complete harmony with everyone else, right? Again, we don't serve each other. We don't serve the kids. We don't serve any. We only serve God, right? But those who serve God with pure intentions receive from God more than they give. They receive the things that um, will, will be like a great blessing in their life, right? With all these negatives that we spoke about, you know, and how the servant sometimes is the subject of ridicule and the, and the subject of blame. Like, you know, they'll say, these servants, they don't visit or they, you know, they skip class, you know, they don't know about the struggles there are, right? For sometimes, uh, for the issues that pop up in life, right? But they just, they know how to blame, right? With all that negative, right? We still say that the servants get more than they give. Um, I want to focus your attention on like Job, for example. Job went on from chapters 3 after Satan did the craziness in his life, right? From chapters 3 to chapter 37. How many chapters is that? 34, right? So thirty for 34, what is that? 34, 35 chapters, right? Because you got to count the third chapter too, right? So he's sitting there complaining about God and his three friends, his three foolish friends provoke him to do so. Um, and he's complaining about how justified he is. And he's, why are these things happening to me? Why are all these negative things happen, happening to me? 34, 35 chapters, right? And then God finally appears to him in chapters 38 through 41 and responds to Job. In those few chapters where he appears to Job and responds to him, he never once answers any of the questions he had in the 34, 35 chapters. Doesn't, he, asks, he asks so many questions. Why this? Why that? God just reveals himself to him. And in the end, Job was satisfied, even though he didn't answer any of his questions. Because being with God is the, great, is the greatest reward of anything else, even when you count all of the negatives that he went through. So there are a lot of blessings, and that's what we'll focus today's talk about. There's a lot of blessings to serving God. Um, let's look at like five or six of them today. The first thing we get a blessing for is the witness of God. We get to witness God firsthand. It's like, um, you know, it's like you're, if you're invited to a, a professional basketball game and they, somebody gives you front row seats to this game and you're able to see the players firsthand, right? You are right there in the middle of it. Um, that's what we as servants are. We're right there on the front row of an amazing spectacle taking place, which is God's salvation to humanity. And we're right there in the front. And so we get to witness God in a level, on a level that maybe people who are not serving, they may say, where is God? I've never had an experience with Him. But those who truly serve God, they will actually have that front row experience uh, with God. They may go their entire lives without seeing God if they don't serve. But if you serve, you're right there and you get to see God's hand in amazing ways. I'll just share one minor example that I had with you guys when I was uh, teaching Sunday school. We took, um, and it was a big class. It was like, you know, I want to say 
maybe 30, uh, 30, 40 kids or something like that. And we took them to a monastery. So we rented a big bus, you know. Uh, and you know how far the monastery is, like two to three hours from here, right? It's a wonderful day. We took them in this big bus. We, we took them to the monastery. They had liturgy and we had a great day. On the way back, um, and we came back late at night. It was like 8 p.m. or something. The bus failed and it had to pull over on the side of the freeway. And we stayed there for two hours. So here it is, 10 p.m. And we don't know what to do. And I'm thinking, what are the parents going to tell me? <laughs> and not everybody's calling their parents, hey, we're stuck on the freeway and we're still two hours away. And I'm like sweating, right? Like, you know, what's what's happening here? So we start making phone calls at 10 p.m. at night to try, you know, 8 to 10, right? All the bus companies are closed, right? And and I'm like, we're praying to God, you know, like, Lord, help us. What are we going to do at this point? The parents can't drive three hours to come pick us up. You know, each parent, you know, that's that's a really disaster waiting to happen. And we're on the side of the, this busy highway, this freeway, right? And so we're in the bus and, and we're like making phone calls. So I'm dialing and no one's picking up, right? And understandably, and then I dial one more, maybe the fifth or sixth company, right? And the guy's like, hello? I'm like, yes, is this so-and-so movie, uh, bus company? And, and he said, yes. Uh, actually, I'm in dinner right now. I go, don't hang up. <laughs> We're stuck on the road. We're really in danger here. You know, a bunch of youth. We need your help. He's like, all right, I'll, I'll come right now. And he charges us a little extra or whatever. And, and so he brings his bus, picks us all up, pulls up in front of us. And we, one by one, in the highway, on the, on the shoulder, in a very organized and serious manner, take one kid at a time from one bus to another bus. And we go on the bus and we make it home at like, you know, I think it was like midnight or anything. That was a miracle. But that's what we see. We see God working sometimes in the 11th hour. He lets us go through a struggle and a challenge in the service. But in the 11th hour, maybe 1130 even, okay, he'll come to us and we see his hand. And we see that he was definitely the one working in all of this, right? Um, so that's the first blessing. What is it? We witness God's hand in a very real manner, right? We see miracles, minor miracles in our own life, in our service. So we find God or witness God in the first one, right? What's the second blessing? We find ourselves. You know, a lot of people who serve, they actually find ourselves. In Matthew 16, 25, it says, For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Um, I would say I'm sure Gandhi had this verse in mind when he said uh, the best way to find yourself is to lose yourself in the service of others. And I like that quote, right? The best way to find yourself is to lose yourself in the service of others. Service allows for a practical um, way to transform ourselves, right? And to find our true fulfilling life and our true selves, the kind of selves that we want to find, right? Uh, instead of the self-centered love, we have love for others, and we put that love into practice. From our own private sphere of only caring about ourselves to caring about others, and we want to expand that sphere as much as possible. So, you know, we care about ourselves, maybe we care about our spouse, hopefully we care about our children, okay? You want to care more and more to, you know, maybe your church, your Sunday school, your community, your city, your country, the world, right? You want to care... You want to broaden that sphere to the in proportion to the amount of love you have to broaden that sphere more and more. 
The third thing we find is joy. You say, how do you find joy when you're talking about all these negatives, you know, that the, that the servants will always be hated, uh, that they'll always be blamed, and nothing will be good enough. And one approach you take, there'll be another uh, group that takes a different approach. You know, how are you going to uh, say that you find joy in all of that? But that's the transformation that service makes in all of us, right? Those who make that transformation find a source of true happiness and true uh, joy. Um, it doesn't lie in possessing everything to myself and caring about myself, but our joy is about letting others share with me what I possess. That's the paradox. So the joy, true joy doesn't happen when I hoard everything to myself. True joy is when I share everything that I have and we get the joy. And that's a, do you think that's a big mistake that society makes? Right? They think joy is when you keep everything to yourself. But the true joy is when you give everything. And the more you give, the more in proportion you get that joy. Would you guys agree that that's not the teaching that's outside these walls? But that's the teaching that our Lord gives, is that we, the more we give, the more joy we have. As our Lord says, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So our happiness in our lives come from that more fulfilling life that we have from service. And such fulfillment comes, of course, I comes from, of course, serving others. But when someone is self-serving, right, and self-centered, uh, and is focused on just their own fulfillment, right, whether a fulfillment of their body or their attention or money, uh, then they find sadness and misery. Have you guys seen that to be true or not? What do you guys think? Those who only care about themselves, are they happy people? Are they happy or are they miserable people? Think about people at work. Think about people at school. Think about people you know. Are those happy people who only care and are focused about themselves? Or the happier people are those who are actually involved in some sort of charity or service? What do you guys think? I want to hear from you. Yes? No? Do you agree with me or no? Huh? Huh? Yes? You agree? Okay. Okay. Thank you. I heard... I was reading something that said... If you're if you're going through a struggle or a negative situation, the best way to get through it is to go serve somebody else, mm-hmm. and that completely takes your mind off of your situation and moves the focus elsewhere. Yes. And then you look at how Saint Paul, when he was in prison, was in the worst situation possible in prison, but yet he took and used that time to serve others and write epistles. Yeah, um, and he was afforded, you know, many things by the soldiers watching him. So, you know, yeah. serving others definitely brings you a lot more joy than serving yourself. Absolutely, and peace and fulfillment, and all those great, uh, wonderful things. I, I agree with you. And who suffered more than the apostles and Saint Paul, right? Uh, I, I love the story of Saint Peter in jail, also, right? And he's in jail, uh, and he might get killed, and he's sleeping, and an angel appears to him, and he's still sleeping. The angel, it says in the book of Acts, that he had to, like, hey, wake up, man. I mean, that's how deep he was. He had to knock him. He had to tap against him to wake him up because St. Peter was in such a deep and content and peaceful sleep, you know. Here he is in jail. Many of us maybe would be stressed, you know, a little bit, you know. He was fast asleep, you know. And and that's the kind of joy you get because he was serving. And what kind of service uh, is the best kind of service that gives this kind of joy and peace? There is the service of administering 
the worldly items. And God tells us to take care of those things, right? Like not only to say, hey, be on your way if you're in need, we'll pray for you, but to actually serve them, right? And to give them the, the bodily needs, you know, whether it be clothing or food or whatever they need to function, right? Or a job, if they're lacking jobs, that we help them find a job. You know, those kind of essential things that we need in our life. Those are important. But there's another level that's even deeper. And that this one should only be the first step. Like when Martha was serving the food and the um, and and um, and caring for the people at the gathering, our Lord gently he didn't really rebuke her, but he gently said, "Martha, Martha, uh, you should care about the more important things, right?" Uh, so the more important things, of course, are, is the salvation of other people. So even though we care about the worldly needs, like we, we're going to prepare those care packages later for um, Thanksgiving so we can hand it out to the homeless. That's wonderful, but we should maybe put a few verses in there and, and things that would lead them to a higher level of service, which is the service towards people's salvation, because that's what we really care about. Uh, we also care about their, uh, their comfort in this life, but we care even much more, infinitely more, about their care and the eternal life, their comfort in their eternal life, right? So that we get that joy um, of service when we see uh, those trying to turn from their sin to a life of purity. That's, I want to say, that's the greatest of all, right? The joy when we see somebody through God working through you to actually uh, see somebody repent and to actually get closer to you, to, to get closer to God. So what are the um, benefits so far that we talked about? We witness God, we find ourselves in service, and we find joy in service, right? The other thing we get is experience. Um, we'll tell the stories, uh, you know, when we gain these experiences, well, one day we're going to have stories to tell our children and our maybe our grandchildren one day. They'll say, oh, you know, Come here, grandchild, let me tell you of a story I had with the Lord. And, and then you can share those experiences, right? Those experiences become like a, uh, an encyclopedia in your mind of all the wonderful things, right? And then when something uh, difficult happens in your life, you share those experiences with others to also strengthen them. I remember St. Athanasius being exiled five times, right? And on, the, uh, on one of the latter uh, exiles, one of the monks were like, losing hope and being despaired and, and St. Athanasius told him don't worry this is just a dark cloud that appears for a while and blows away how do you say such a thing when you're in the middle through experience we know that the trials we face are temporary and God will eventually work it out and we'll, we'll be fine but those who are in the beginning of such trials right and they're like maybe not as mature spiritually may struggle a lot with those but as you gain experience we say, oh, you know what, these struggles, these trials that we're going through, it's a cloud and it will pass over. That's a man that has experience. St. Athanasius had a lot of experience that, about that time, right? Being exiled five times and going through all the trials that he did, that he did for the sake of the faith that we received. <clears throat> we find that through though God may come in that 11th hour, or like we said, even 1145, 1159, where we think it's just, you know, at a time, He'll come uh, at the end, right? Maybe he delays a little bit. He appears to delay. As we define time, it appears like a delay in our mind, but it's not really, right? He is strengthening you at that time to always hope, no matter how difficult things may see, that he will eventually come and things will be just fine. Um, 
he will come through in the end. He's ever victorious. And the thing to remember is that you are his body. And there is no victory of Christ if his body doesn't also share in his victory. And we are his body. Christ does not have victory unless his body also has victory. Right? And we become his body. When we take communion, when we walk in his ways, when we have faith, right? We become his body. And we know that we will share in that victory no matter what. In fact, the victory is already won. But we have to endure and we have to be patient. That's why our Lord said, in your patience, you possess your souls, right? In your patience, you possess your souls. Um, so though he may appear to delay to build our trust in him more and more, he will surely come in the end. So what is it so far? First one is what? We get to witness, witness God. We find our we find ourselves in service. We find joy uh, and peace. We find experience with God too. The fifth thing we gain through service is that we become an extension of the service of the apostles and the prophets before them. We um, become we we join ourselves to the continuity of service. That service began a long, long, long time ago. And it became it, it was serving through the Old Testament prophets, right? Even before that with Noah and all and so on, right? And we you know, that service all had one intent. What is that one intent? Of all of those prophets' service? The salvation of mankind, right? From the very beginning. Ever since Adam and Eve, that work of salvation, that service of salvation has begun immediately after that, right? And various holy people with the Holy Spirit working through them have joined in those in those uh, efforts, and then the the fathers, and then the uh, then the prophets, then our Lord Jesus Christ handed it off to who, the apostles, and the apostles handed it off to the church fathers and mothers who handed it off to us. We join ourselves to the to that continuity. We link ourselves to those who have gone before us the prophets, the apostles, the martyrs, and all the saints who have gone before us. So our work as servants is a continuation of their work done by the Holy Spirit. It's a continuation of all that. Uh, for just as the martyrs, for example, gave up their lives. And if you ask the martyrs, what did you give? You gave up your life. The martyrs would say, it wasn't mine to give. It already belonged to God. Our lives already belonged to God. I gave nothing. I received more than I, uh, than I got. And they gave up their life. They resisted even to bloodshed. And they would say, my blood, that wasn't mine in the first place. I gave it to God as an offering to Him, but we give from what already belongs to Him. Um, we've, so, you know, we give little things, right? We give a little bit of our time, a little bit of our money, a little bit of our effort and energy, Um to receive things that are much bigger and much greater and can't even be compared with. So we follow Christ and the saints before us looking for that eternal life, not just this temporary one. Um, our Lord teaching us teaches us this, right, with the beautiful lesson regarding the continuity of service, uh, when He says, For in this the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap, to collect, you know, from like as a farmer collects, right? He reaps, right? I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Somebody else planted and you're just reaping. 
Others have labored and you have entered into their labors. He's speaking to the apostles, but he's also speaking to us who are continuing the work of who? The apostles. This is an apostolic work that we're doing, is to bring the message and the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ for salvation to those who would hear us, right? God loves those uh, who came before us. He loved the prophets. He loves the apostles and the fathers and the martyrs and, and the mothers who have gone before us. But he mixes... He mixes the labor of those in the present with those who have gone before. And he honors both at the same time, right? Even though we're building on their labors that, like we didn't make the creed. We're just teaching the kids how to say the creed, but we didn't articulate it, right? But he's treating us both the same. The Orthodox Creed, we believe in one God, that lofty document that all Christian churches, Orthodox or not, follow till today. And you'll see Protestant churches on their website. This is our statement of faith. It's a copy of our Orthodox Creed, right? It, it all it is. But did we make it? We're just teaching the kids to, to say it. And guess what? God sees it both as the same. We are entering into their labors, and we also receive the same reward. Because the prophets did labor before the apostles, how else did the Samaritan woman know, for example, that the Messiah would come one day? Somebody labored to her and taught her that, right? The, the prophets did. So we too labor, um, uh, we build on those who have gone before us. So they've laid the foundations, they've maybe laid a few stones, and we're laying stones, and those who after us will lay the stones on top of that. So that continuity of service is a great blessing that we have. Um, we have guides, right, as amazing fathers and mothers in their teachings, then like martyrs, and we, we stand, I like this quote, right, we stand on the shoulders of giants, right, and we, st we look, at, we're like, we pretend like we're tall, but we're tall because we're standing on their shoulders, right? Who are we? But, you know, it's like, imagine St. Athanasius saying, come, let me put you on, your, on my shoulders and so that you could see better and teach the people better. And, and like sometimes we think we're big, but it's these great giants, you know, that are that are carrying us, you know, that we that so that we can serve better. Um, and but God counts us worthy to enter into their labors, reaping what they have sown and getting the re rewards of the apostles. So what are the so far witnessing God? What else? Finding ourselves. Finding ourselves. Finding joy and peace. Joy and peace. Uh, we find we find experience, right? Stories to tell that that gather that reserve of strength inside of us. These stories become like a reserve of strength, ready to face anything, because now we have experience, right? Uh, we we become an extension of the apostles and the prophets, right? That continuity of service. And finally, I'll just say this last thing. By the way, you get rewards in heaven, right? We haven't even talked about that. Um, Having this mind of Christ and of the apostles puts us in line with Christ and puts us in line with the apostles and bring that fullness of joy through service in this life that we, you know, we're able to have clarity of thought, we have direction in our lives, and we bring the youth and, and whoever we're serving closer to Christ. It's the responsibility of all Christians, by the way, not just Sunday school teachers, but all Christians to do the same thing. And Christ says that we will reap the fruits, and he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. There's a great joy and fulfillment in this life through service. But more importantly, the promises of the things to come.
are even greater, much more greater to the point where they're beyond words and, you know, has not entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him and serve him, right? Um, in James 5.20, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. And in Daniel 12, it says, Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. So you'll shine, as it were, a brilliant uh, star sparkling with divinity of Christ, you know, that, that will just shine in heaven, and you'll have your place and, and full of glory that is beyond words, right? And that's what God has promised us. So having this mind to serve doesn't only belong to the good bishops or priests or, or anyone, or even Sunday school teachers, right? But to everyone, to parents, uh, or to those in our workplace, and to everyone around us, but especially those who have committed to serve in the church and become an extension of the apostles. Our Lord Jesus Christ says in John chapter 12, If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my, on, my father will honor. Him my father will honor. So servants follow him in promoting oneself. Instead of promoting oneself or, uh, and self-denial, is, is all self-denial, right? It's like following and walking his ways. He says, if you follow me, what does that mean to follow him? Does it follow him in uh, caring about myself only? Is that what Christ did if we're going to follow him? Is that what it means? No. Um, I saw a thing on YouTube about this Muslim guy who uh, was wearing like something on his head and a beard. And he goes, I'm more like Jesus than the Christians. <laughs> and he has no idea what it means to be Christ-like. It has nothing to do with the beard. It has nothing to do with how you're dressing. It has to do with how you're following Christ in truth, right? In spirit and truth. And who are those who follow him? Who are those who follow him? Those who deny themselves, right? And it's not even ourselves that belong to ourselves. It's, it's Christ anyways. But those who acknowledge that truth and give to him what belongs to him. Through service, through giving of time, through alms, through attention, through special one-on-one -on -one time with each of the kids, to calling them and visiting them. At the clergy meeting, we had some really, really nice talks, and maybe at the next servants meeting, we'll talk about visitation. And uh, Bishop Abraham and Abuna Philemon gave like uh, some talks about their experiences in visitation. It's so important to give that one-on-one -on -one time with the kids. So through service, that giving of alms, and you know, giving that attention that we do that that teach the kids, that's how we, um, and with pure intentions, that's how we get closer to God. And those who follow Him, as He says, will will be where He is in heaven, in eternal glory. Uh, with greater honor than uh, anything that this world can ever give. Honor from the Father, eternal honor in front of the angels, in front of the demons that troubled us, uh, even in, uh, in front of those who hated us. God gives that special honor to those who serve Him. Glory be to God forever. Amen.